Hattie Jean read the Epiphany passage, the traditional Epiphany passage, which is the wise men bringing their gifts to Jesus, and he was likely a toddler when that happened. Um, the traditional reading for the Sunday after Christmas most years is this story that I'll read about Simeon and Anna, one that I trust you've heard and you know. But in both cases, there is an epiphany of sorts. All three sets of, or both sets of characters, Simeon and Anna and the Magi, all realize, they, they know what they are seeing when they see it because of the faith that they live down. We'll talk about that later, but for now, hear this reading of the Gospel from Luke, chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 21 through 40. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice in keeping with what it said, what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a, a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Recently, I was listening to an audiobook from the founder of Nike, Phil Knight. In his memoir, Shoe Dog, he reminisces about selling encyclopedias door-to-door in the 1960s. Now, I know most of you consider me very young, but let me assure you that I'm old enough to remember first-hand accounts of people selling encyclopedias door-to-door. Not only did I have a set of those world books in my home, but I relied on them heavily in middle school for research projects. Yes, when I was a kid, if you said, Alexa, you were talking to a person. And if you said, hey Google, or okay Google, or hey Siri, people would have given you a sideways glance, for sure. Just 20 years ago, We did not have the access to information that we have now. All we had were books, libraries, local TV and radio, and people like Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather and Peter Jennings on the evening news to tell us about everything that was going on around the world. Today, things have changed Some might say that those days were simpler, but having done research these days, I will say maybe they weren't simpler times. But these times we live in are different. You see, our task is is not to find access to information. There are several hundred devices in this room right now that could help us access any information in the whole wide world that we could ever want. And if you could come up with a question that Google can't answer, Alexa would tell you, don't worry about it, you still get free prime shipping. Probably also would tell you you save money on your car insurance with Geico, but that's mostly on television. You see, our task is not getting access to information. Our task is understanding, verifying, interpreting, and putting information to good use. We must sort and interpret what we have access to in in ways that no one else has ever had to do, and hopefully we use those powers for good. Now, this has huge implications for, say, news, politics, And especially education. If you're an educator, you know this. But one thing is interesting about this, because I think people of faith have been doing this work for a long time. In some ways, I think faithful Christian people are ahead of the game. Because when it comes to faith, and what we know about how God works... When it comes to the scriptures we rely upon, we have in our hearts, in our heads, in our Bibles, and through relationships with one another, we've had all the information we needed to know at a given time for a long time. For centuries, the church has been wrestling with the information in these books, and we know scripture in our heads and in our hearts. We've been working 
for hundreds of years, not on getting more information about God, but in interpreting and being faithful with the information that we have. You see, most of us know what we need to know and have known what we think we need to know about Scripture, tradition, religion, and a life of faith. Yes, the beautiful thing about a life of faith is that with every door that opens, with every question that is answered, more, deeper, more interesting questions arise. But the life of faith is a quest to work those things out. But practically speaking, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of faith, we've, most of us, have had that down for a long time. We have known what the facts and the fiction are. We have known how to ask questions and receive answers. We've know, we have known the information, and we have just been working on putting it to work in our lives. How we understand what we know, how we interpret what we experience, and how we put into practice that which exists is the task of faith. That's what shapes us. This will be the task of civilization as it relates to information. But when we consider our lives with God, well, the characters in these passages, the Magi and Simeon and Anna, are perfect examples, perfect models for how to understand the information of faith and then allow it to shape what they see and experience. You see, the faithful people in Israel had known for a long time that a Messiah was going to come. They had known for several hundred years that one had been promised and that God was going to send them someone to deliver the people, to save them from oppression, and to lead them in a new way. Over and over and over again, there were individuals who were sort of like radicals who had risen up with the sword and, and tried to be that savior. But they all fell short because they weren't sent from God. They were not the Lord's salvation who had been prepared in the presence for all people to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. God's people knew a deliverer was coming they learned what to look for in that Savior. They sought to put to work what they knew. They prepared for what a Savior would mean. And today we see that a few of them got it right. What? Quickly. <clears throat> Simeon and Anna are two heroes of the Christian faith. They would be the minor supporting characters if it were a drama. But, but they're the ones who sort of make the call. I love this story because it captures the importance and the exuberance and the relief and the joy of understanding what God is doing. We start with having, led by, having been led by the Spirit, Simeon goes to the temple. Simeon knew how to interpret the work of the Spirit because he had been faithful. He knew how to interpret the information that 
had come to him. And so having been led by the Spirit, he goes to the temple. And when this couple from Nazareth walk in with a baby, somehow he knows what he is seeing. He's had that information his whole life, for as long as he can remember. He'd known a Savior was going to come. And he lived a faithful life. He turned to God and became aware how God was at work. And he knew the difference between oh, a radical warrior outside with a sword trying to overthrow the authorities. He knew the difference between that and an interesting baby that walks in to the temple. How did he know? He processed that information. He attended to God's presence and the grace of God in faithful ways. And he was able to interpret that which was around him. His faithful life begat understanding. And this is what a faithful life begets for you and for me. By being steeped in faithfulness and not just having access to information, we develop the ability to understand what we see when we see it. After Simeon, uh, Luke tells the story of Anna, a prophet, a longtime widow, who practically lived at the temple. Luke could have repeated all of the same things about uh, Anna that he said about Simeon, but he, he doesn't. They ring true for both, both persons. This woman was diligent, devoted, filled with prayer, lived a life marked by faithful fasting and ardent devotion to the Lord. She, too, had all the information she could possibly have about God's work, God's life, God's presence, and God's action in the world. So when she sees Jesus coming into the temple, when she sees Simeon's reaction, she knows exactly what's happening. And she too rejoices. She had spent her whole life looking for the Lord in this way. And finally the day had come. Her eyes had seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, so to speak. And like Simeon, she too now can depart in peace because what they had been promised that they would see, what they had waited for for so long, it came. And they knew it when they saw it. Beyond Simeon and Anna, the Magi do the exact same thing. The thing is, these Magi are from the East. They're from far away. They're practically Gentiles, and they are definitely outsiders. But what we see recorded in Matthew is that they knew what they were seeing because they understood how to interpret the signs. It wasn't just that they had the information. It's that they knew how to put the information to work. They could tell that God was up to something special. That's why... They brought a baby in Nazareth, gifts for a king. That's why they journeyed from afar and rejoiced when they got to Mary and Joseph. That's why, even though proper protocol 
would definitely have been for them to go back by Herod's temple and tell him what they had found. That's why they go home by another way. They had all the information they needed, but they also had the spiritual sense, the inclination, the understanding to follow the leadership of the Lord, to know what it was they were seeing, and to respond when understanding came. And that leads us back to us today. It's the last day of the year. It's the last Sunday of the year. It's the last Sunday of the Advent and Christmas season. We're on the cusp of a new beginning. For each one of us, there's so much that is behind us, and there are things we are looking forward to. There are ways that we long for God's presence and power to be at work with, among, and through us. We long to seek God and we suspect that we all, and I suspect that we all would love to have experiences like Simeon and Anna and the Magi, right? And so how do we respond to their epiphany? And how do we prepare ourselves for the next, next one? Which is the answer right there. To prepare and to practice understanding the information that we have is the best way to set ourselves up for experiences like they have. You see, moments like Simeon and Anna and the Magi seeing Jesus and having epiphanies, too often we think that those are just out-of-the-blue events that happen through sparks of inspiration that that are, that are thrust upon us at the blink of an eye. But that couldn't be further from the truth. For, for most scientists to make a scientific discovery, it takes years of work to lay the groundwork and years of, of, of working through that scientific method and writing those lab reports that said, my experiment didn't work, but I learned this. Very few artists paint their great masterpiece on their first try with no training. I'm not talking about the masterpieces our children painted when they were children. Picasso was a different kind of artist. Writers don't just decide to sit down and write the next great American novel. They practice their craft. They edit it. And if you can find a great book by a leader about leadership who said they never made any mistakes and that's how they were successful, don't trust it. Because you see, the great realizations in life and in our faith come from tending to the important things regularly by practicing our faith and growing close to the Lord so that then one day it clicks. Then one time we see something new and different then one day we realized that all we had learned and all we ever knew was providing a pathway to a new realization. And the reason we knew it when we see it was not just because God's powerful, mysterious, significant work came in a new way, but we also tuned ourselves to the work of God over time so that a new glimpse of God's grace provides an epiphany seeing something in a new way that 
we otherwise could not have. The Magi walked for a long time. Simeon had been faithful his whole life, and Anna practically lived in the temple. And all of this groundwork was laid to get them to that day when they saw Jesus, and they knew it when they saw it. So today, what we know is we have welcomed the Lord. Christ has come, our salvation is here, and the kingdom of God is at hand. We've journeyed through Advent and Christmas. Our journey has been wonderful, but the journey was not just an end unto itself. It was a season of practice. It was a season of of practicing waiting on the Lord so that during the rest of the year, as we wait on the Lord, when the Lord shows up, we know it. It was a season of practice so that we know it when we see it. I began this sermon musing about information and all the information we have access to. And when it comes to faith, we have all the information we need because we know that God is with us. We know that God loves us. And we know that from the scripture in your hands to the people in your pews, as a community and through a devoted spiritual life, you have everything you need to know. The key now, if you want to experience an epiphany, if you want to know it when you see it, is to continue to be tuned to the Lord like Anna and Simeon, so that when Christ comes, even if Christ comes as a little baby during a purification rite, we know it when we see it. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what this day means. We thank you for carrying us through this season, for speaking to us, for leading us, for being with us. And we thank you for your promise that you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. But Lord, we long to see you. We long to know you fresh and new. We long to experience your love in significant ways. And Lord, we long to know your presence, your life, your work, and your love for us when we see it. And so Lord, help us to be faithful so that we do know you when we see you. We do recognize your presence when it is here. And we are able to experience it and to express it to others no matter when it comes. So help us to be ready. This, O Lord, we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord today. Amen.